0: Welcome to the Healthcare Quality Cast, where we spotlight today's most exciting and inspiring quality professionals within the healthcare industry. Our podcast will dive into the career journeys of leaders that work daily to improve quality, safety, and service outcomes for patients, their family members, and their communities at large. Our mission is to provide motivation and direction to our listeners, encouraging you all to continue your efforts in improving the overall quality of healthcare. And now, your host, Jarvis Gray.
1: Quality people, welcome back to episode number 76 of the Healthcare Quality Cast powered by the Quality Coaching Company. It's your host, Jarvis Gray, and I'm 100% thrilled to introduce you to today's guest. Dr. Joseph Perez, or Dr. Joe, as you'll hear me call him throughout our conversation, is the Senior Systems Analyst and Team Lead at the NC Department of Health and Human Services. Having received advanced degrees in secondary education, Joe began a 10-year career as a high school teacher providing instruction in economics, Spanish, the Bible, and computers. While in his teaching career, he furthered his graduate education, earning a doctorate in education with a double minor in computers and theology. His career focus changed to IT in 1992 when he started as a computer consultant at NC State University. And three promotions later, Dr. Joe ended his successful 25-year career at NC State to become Senior Business Analyst at the NC Department of Health and Human Services. Since starting in 2017, he's been promoted to Senior Systems Analyst and Team Lead. Now with more than 8,000 followers on LinkedIn and several professional certifications, Dr. Joe has stayed active in the IT community as a much sought-after resource, a highly recommended conference speaker, data analytics and visualization expert, and specialists in efficiency and process improvement. Here in episode number 76, Dr. Joe starts our show with a leadership quote that simultaneously defines and redefines what it means to be a leader. Dr. Joe digs in and gives several great pointers around launching a career in professional speaking. He shares with us a dark moment story that teaches us not to bite off more than we can chew. Dr. Joe tells us why every aspiring leader needs to know, grow, and show He shares an aha moment connected with using data visualization to break down silos and streamline resources. He tells us why he's geeking out about healthcare data and analytics. He gives us his best career advice that's sure to connect with every type of healthcare leader and inspires us as developing leaders to earn their trust, do what we must, and learn when to adjust. Now, if this episode was a rap soundtrack, Dr. Joe, you would be taking home the platinum, my friend. I love every one of your catchphrases, and I know that everything you've shared in today's conversation will connect deeply with our audience. Quality people, your leadership learning is about to hit level 10 today with Dr. Joe, so I invite you to sit back, relax, and enjoy these tracks, while I'll probably go and put some serious work into my taglines. Thank you all for tuning in, and be sure to leave us a review and join our LinkedIn group. We'll see you next week when we return with another quality guest. All right. Thank you for joining in on another episode of the Healthcare Quality Cast. And today I'm here with my guest, Joseph Perez, or as we love to call him, Dr. Joe. Dr. Joe, are you ready to share with some quality people?
0: Yes, sir. I am, Jarvis. Thanks so much.
1: Awesome. Well, no, thank you very much for um, saying yes to this invitation and joining this podcast. And Dr. Joe, we love to start every show with our positive affirmations and really getting our momentum going. So I would love for you to please share a favorite leadership quote or leadership mindset. Tell us why it appeals to you and how do you apply that mindset on a daily basis?
0: Hmm. Leadership quote, huh? Okay. Uh, here's one. If your actions inspire others to dream more, learn more, do more, and become more, you are a leader. Now, it's debated whether John Quincy Adams said this or not. I mean, he's often credited with it, but still, whoever, whoever actually did say it, all right, it, it still both defines and, and refines leadership so eloquently, okay? If you're leading, right, you're out in front, you're setting the pace, you're, you're blazing the trail, you're leading an example, however you want to say it, rather than staying behind And doing nothing. At the same time, it implies that other people are following your lead. So, if if you're doing it in a way that encourages other people to follow suit, well, then you really are helping them do you know do those four things right: dream more, learn more, do more, and and become more. That's what I try to do in my daily life. Okay, both both at work and at home. See, the data team that I lead needs to see me as the guy who's out in front. Right? Who, who's giving 120%, who, who's keeping morale high, producing quality work and exceeding expectations, you know, really setting the example. <laughs> I'll be honest with you, I, 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 may, I may not always hit that mark, but I certainly do aim, aim for it. See, I, I really do want to inspire others to dream more, learn more, do more, and become more. Uh, I really believe that's a huge part of what leadership is all about. And that's exactly the kind of leader I want to be.
1: Well, and Dr. Joe, um, I believe that, and to you know, to the utmost fullest, because again, with us, uh, we crossed paths at a conference where you were the keynote. Um, your keynote presentation blew me away. It absolutely um, inspired me to um, want to learn more and do more. And that led to me asking you to be on this podcast. And here you are. So um, so my friend, you are definitely in that position. So I really appreciate that mindset to kick off this episode.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. My pleasure. That's kind of you to say, Jarvis.
1: Well, uh, Dr. Joe, you know, for our quality people, I would love for you to share with us for our audience. Um, you know, share with us your background, um, your current role, professional background, and absolutely what led you into your career path. Because again, I, I've had the chance to already get to know you just a little bit, but we'd love for you to, um, to introduce yourself to our audience now.
0: Sure thing. Sure thing, Jarvis. Glad to do it. Okay, well, where to start? A pretty long career. Yeah, I've, I've been a state employee of the state of North Carolina going on 28 years here now, Jarvis. Uh, The first 25 of those years were at NC State University. Uh, Before that, I started off as a school teacher for 10 years. That's really where my professional and educational background lies. I mean, uh, my bachelor's degree, my master's, and my doctoral degrees are all in secondary education with minors in Bible, theology, and computer studies. Now, the last few years of my teaching career. I took on summer jobs in the IT field, and I steadily increased my efficiency with that until the opportunity came um, at NT State, where I was able to leverage these communication skills, this this, this passion for teaching, for, for sharing information with other people. I mean, I've always had that ever since I was a kid, and that I combined with my love for IT. So over the next 25 years, I rose up through the ranks at the university, Uh, getting promoted to computer training manager, then analyst programmer, then business intelligence specialist. Um, That was the last position I had at State. So about three years ago, DHHS, I don't want to use acronyms, the Department of Health and Human Services, it's just easier to say DHHS. All right, these guys recruited me away from NC State by making me an offer I simply couldn't refuse. I mean, I wasn't even looking for a job, but Jarvis, that was the best move I've ever made for my career, and, and more importantly, for my family. Uh, it was a major promotion, and since then, I've been promoted again to my current position. I'm a senior systems analyst and team lead, and incidentally, this role that I have now has indirectly opened doors for me to start speaking at conferences, a couple of them in 2018, uh, I don't know, eight, eight or nine of them in 2019, and some... 13, 14, 15 or so, so far in 2020. Now, COVID-19 has put a damper on the in-person events, of course. So yeah, some of these speaking engagements have turned into virtual-type events, and others have been postponed till pretty much close to the end of the year uh, and into 2021, but at least they still want me. Now, getting into that speaking, I, to be honest with you, speaking isn't really anything new for me, okay? I mean, I've been doing it for oh, gosh, 30, you know, ever since you were in kindergarten, maybe, yeah, and 30 years, I won't even hint around about, about that, but um, for a very long time, and uh, again, I've always been a communicator. I've always wanted to uh, expound on things that I know and and see the light bulb come on and, you know, see the lights come on in somebody's eyes when something that I say hits them, something that I say causes a spark of knowledge that will help them to do better, whether it's a kid in school, whether it's a group of people I'm talking to at work, whether it's standing uh, behind a microphone at a conference, you know, the, the idea is still the same. I'm communicating with people. I'm imparting knowledge. I'm um, educating them. I'm entertaining them. Yeah, but educating them as well. I want to encourage them as well. And um, yeah, so that's what kind of spurred me into thinking, you know, I could probably do this in front of an audience more often. And again, it started off with the one invitation that I received in late 2018 to speak at the uh, premier CIO forum at the Raleigh Convention Center. Uh, There were a lot of people heard me speak there and some saw my posts about it on LinkedIn and uh, a couple of conference organizers contacted me and said, hey, we'd like for you to speak here. I ended up speaking in, uh, in, in Washington, D.C., and then again in uh, Chicago at the uh, MDM Data Governance Summit. Uh, people who heard me speak there invited me to speak in other places, and that's how they all uh, started coming about. Uh, more and more people heard about me speaking and would say, we want you to come and speak to us. That's how I got the invitation to speak. Uh, in the uh, the January conference where you heard me, the opening keynote at the Applied Data Visualization Conference in Fort Lauderdale. So again, this word of mouth thing has just literally exploded um, and, and has just put me in a place where I'm in a position that I can share with a much larger group of people, and that is through the internet. You know, COVID-19, yeah, you can say it put a damper on the in-person events, but, you know, it's opened up these virtual events where I can reach an even larger audience and set myself up to be able to uh, be invited back and speak at these events when we're able to do things in person. So it's really my desire to communicate, my desire to uh, enhance and enrich somebody else's experience when they come to a conference and they want to get something out of it uh, and not be killed by boredom from someone who just stands there like a stuffed shirt and doesn't really give them any actionable content and um, uh, doesn't project with passion the message that they have. You know, if it was worth enough time for you to sit there and spend your time um, getting your presentation ready, then doggone it, it's worth your effort to present it with passion. You know, you have a person on the other end that's listening to you. And you have a chance to make an impact on that person. So as a speaker, give it all you got and take their needs into consideration and give them a message that will improve their situation or help them to learn something they didn't know. Um, kind of went around the block to get to that answer. But essentially, that's what is all stemming from my teaching career, all stemming from my desire to communicate, stemming from my desire to make a positive impact on those around me.
1: Well, and Dr. Joe, I'll you know, again, just compliment you on the uh, keynote that you did down in Fort Lauderdale because that was the first time that I had ever been in a presentation where the speaker kind of gave us a worksheet. And so that was such an engaging way to make sure we followed along. The material um, (laughs) was, uh, like you said, it was uh, entertaining and it was educational. Um, I've learned recently that that's called edutainment. But I I thought it was very, um, you know, just, again, very engaging. Yeah. um, Your, you know, your personality, everything. It it really fit the bill for a really good keynote. And, um, you know, I I guess with a lot of that, I know we're going to get into your healthcare quality, um, healthcare analytics background. But would you have maybe one or two tips for any of our listeners that are kind of wondering, like, how can I ever... Um, you know, get into a position where I'm either the main presenter or a keynote or at least going to a conference on a routine basis and presenting, not just sitting in the crowd. But, um, you know, for anybody who's not sure if they're qualified yet or, you know, they don't have enough Mm -hmm. experience or confidence, what's one or two things that um, that audience member can do to take the next step in that direction from a conference keynote kind of point of view? Mm-hmm.
0: great question jarvis and 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 thank you you're very you're very kind to say that uh i certainly gave it everything that i had uh, and i'm so grateful that, that i had a positive impact on on uh, folks that were there in in fort lauderdale um for the aspiring speaker um i would say be relevant okay you have to have great material i mean i don't care how talented you may be in oratory or whatever uh, but if the content that you have is not either applicable or relevant or transferable or something that's generic enough to have universal appeal, um, you're you're not going to be able to um, uh, you're you're not going to be able to get invited. Okay, uh, I would say uh, think of what are the topics that you are passionate about. What are the things that you are the best at? Okay. The, the knowledge that you have, the passion that you have, the desire that you have, the enjoyment that you have, and put that down on paper. Um, write out your speech, uh, get illustrations, uh, have a killer PowerPoint, but don't kill them. <laughs> That's just a, a killer PowerPoint means killer in the sense that, wow, it's going to knock their socks off, not killer as in it's going to kill them with boredom. boredom all right. Uh, the other thing I would say is uh, get yourself on LinkedIn. Um, uh, Make posts. uh, Give little snippets of your topic. Uh, You have maybe a catchy uh, promotional text, you know, a couple of provocative questions that get people thinking about your topic. Don't give it all away. Just be coy about it, and that'll invite them to, say, visit your page. Now, You may not have a website. If you can get a website going that will have your topics, your bio, your headshot, and maybe some testimonials from people who have heard you speak, uh, I've got one of those. And um, I would say one of the best places that I have found, and I don't want to advertise one website over another, but this one has been very, very helpful to me, uh, and it's called Sessionize. That's the word session with I-Z-E on the end, sessionize.com. You can set up a free profile on there, and that'll let you, um, they'll let you post your, uh, your headshot. You can write your bio. Um, you can also add testimonials from people. Uh, it, there's not a place for it, but I kind of figured out how to do it. If you look at my page, sessionize.com forward slash Joe-P-E-R-E-Z, and you'll see how I did it. And then it gives you a place where you can enter the events where you've spoken or the events when you are, where you are going to speak in the future. And you also have a place to plug in your topics, your, uh, your, uh, your catchphrases, you know, your, uh, your promotional text, okay? the stuff that you use to wow people and get them interested in hearing about you as a speaker. Um, post links, start a YouTube page, Whenever you speak, be sure to have a freaking camera going, you know, get yourself recorded speaking, even if you're speaking in front of a bunch of kids in a school or something, or uh, a Lions Club, or a Rotary Club, or some small local event, um, you know, they don't have to know how big or small the audience is, just footage of you doing what you do best. Post it on YouTube. Instead of posting the whole thing. Post maybe a two-minute sliver of information. Find the spot in your presentation where you're really, you know, you have a couple of zingers, a couple of great one-liners, a couple of uh, very pertinent points that you're making that, uh, you know, maybe even have some audience reaction in there. And just post that one snippet. And the nice thing about it is if you have a 30 to 45-minute presentation, you can get like maybe 15 different snippets or 20 or more different snippets out of that one presentation if you speak two or three places even if they're not keynotes or whatever you've got a lot of material that you can assemble in order to make it visible post those on linkedin that will get people to notice you Um, but yeah just stay relevant topics got to be relevant they've got to be delivered with passion write it all down, get you that website on Sessionize or some other speaker type page, um, post often on LinkedIn and get your um, YouTube page going. Oh yeah, and while you're at it, create what I call a one pager. That's where you have your bio, maybe some links to your events, maybe some testimonials and your headshot, all on a single piece of paper that you turn into a PDF that you can readily, email to somebody who says, hey, you know, what are you all about? And you can do that. So that's the advice that I would give to the aspiring speaker.
1: That was absolutely perfect and way more than I would have um, planned on. So thank you for that. And I'll um, I'll add one more kind of hack to everything you just shared there, Dr. Joe. But um, I am a personal user of, um, of meetup.com. And on there, I've created kind of my own community um, for healthcare quality process improvement people here based in Atlanta. And um, we'll do monthly get togethers, at least, you know, before the whole COVID experience here. And I have done the same where I've just started taping those as well. So I'll do free networking events or free meetups and just have a camera going and it's the same impact to show you leading a group of people um, and that's been um, another way that i've gotten some of the attention that has led to the things that i've done through this podcast and a few other um you know coaching and consulting sessions but that's another hat for lack of a better word um you know if you're not fortunate Mm -hmm. enough to just get out there with formal invitations like create your own opportunities to speak, and that leads to the formal opportunities as well.
0: Absolutely, Jarvis, that's an excellent idea. Uh, anything that you can do to get yourself in front of a group of people, who cares that it's not a conference, any group of people, like you said, a meetup or whatever other uh, local meeting or uh, get together, whatever it's called, uh, LinkedIn Live even, you know, you, you have something to share, um, or YouTube Live or Facebook or something, you know, on social media. Yeah, a, a very, very robust social media presence. Get your, you will get other people's attention. Eventually,
1: wonderful. Well, I'm going to get us back on track with the uh, interview here, Dr. Joe, because uh, I, I know there's still so much I want to learn and explore with your background. But just again, thank you for um, letting me kind of go off script with that extra question. But um, the, the the first, I guess, official question that I have for you, Dr. Joe, is um, a question that I've been calling the dark moment question, and I would love for mm-hmm. you to share with our audience maybe your best moment of failure that you've had as you know, throughout your career as a healthcare leader, but um, share with us, what was that moment like? What were some of the considerations you were going through and definitely the major lessons learned from that?
0: Oh boy, (laughs) moment of failure. Uh, Oh, good grief Jarvis, (laughs) there's so many of those, I can't zero in on just one, (laughs) I'm sorry. No, no, seriously though, I'm serious, all right. Um, I'd have to say, I'd have to say it was back in my early days at NC State, all right? We're talking, oh, gosh, almost, I don't know, 22, 23, 20-some-odd years ago, uh, about the time I was promoted to computer training manager. All right, within the first few weeks, I I started discovering that that I had bitten off more than I can chew, okay? I had to fire one employee. Uh, There were two others that quit on me, and I I found out that the – the accounts, the, the account that's supposed to support the operating budget for my uh, computer training place had, in, in the months before that I had arrived, had been allowed to dwindle to a running deficit of more than $2,000. It doesn't sound like a whole lot, but it's totally unsustainable. I mean, especially if you're in a receipt supported organization within state government, okay? <laughs> it was tough, man. I mean, I, I, was, I was working nearly 80 hours a week. Uh, my boss wasn't too happy with me. Uh, another employee was about ready to quit, and threatening to anyway. I, I was literally running myself into the ground. Okay, I, I was about ready to throw in the towel. Now, at that point, I really started doing some serious soul searching and praying for wisdom. Lord, help me here, And that brought me to the realization I couldn't go at this alone. Okay, I, I couldn't keep doing everything myself. I also leveled with my boss, who, well, to my pleasant surprise, I then found out he had a great deal of respect and admiration for me. Never knew it. And he encouraged me to tap into my strengths. He went on to tell me and remind me of what some of those strengths are. Process analysis, uh, communication, organization, Uh, seeing the best in people, you know, moving the chess pieces as it were, you know what, I I did just that. I met with the staff I had left, you know, we had a true heart to heart, okay, Uh, and I started capitalizing on their strengths. I then mapped out a strategy to turn this thing around, Um, that included pulling in several other people from another department in the same building who were being underutilized, and neat thing about that in state government, that that didn't cost me a a dime of my budget, what little I had, and uh, delegating many of the things that I was doing myself. And that allowed me to concentrate on what I did best, you know, the cost analysis of our classes. Again, taking that process apart and seeing how is it that we can make more money, you know, renegotiating some of the instructor payouts, uh, engineering a more workable schedule. I ended up creating even more classes and, in turn, of course, more money. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I even turned an unused storage room into a classroom. Uh, nobody had ever thought of that before. I mean, that would generate even more revenue. Okay. At that point, things started improving. And I I made it a point daily to encourage, continually encourage my staff, let them see how valuable they were to this organization. You know, I kept my office door open for anybody who needed anything, who needed to talk or whatever. I stayed on top of expenses and income. And uh, make a long story short, the result that $2000 deficit I was talking about that thing turned into a surplus of more than $90,000 in less than 6 months. Now, I sincerely believe that God granted me the wisdom that I truly needed at that time to to learn from that failure and turn it into a success. You know, tap into the potential of your people, delegate, delegate, delegate and stay on top of things, be creative and you'll make it through.
1: So I, I, love that, um, I love that story and that learning moment. And what I took away from it really, I, I guess the empowering um, opportunity was, you know, your boss, your supervisor kind of looking at you and saying, you know, bring your A-game, bring your best, bring your talent back to help dig out of that situation. But uh, Dr. Joe, what, what thoughts would you have mm-hmm. for a younger team member Um, who may be in a similar situation, you know, the team is struggling to kind of get its footing and get caught up on, you know, the budgets or the projects that they're working on. How would you encourage maybe a younger, um, you know, somebody maybe late 20s, early 30s, who has a little bit of experience, but, you know, they're not leading the team, but how would you encourage them to maybe take a step forward to um to become a leader in a similar situation as, as maybe what you were in at that point.
0: Sure. Um, you know, I think part of it is building up a connection with your with your team. Okay. And I, I think That's I can nice. sum that whole thing up. Um, I can sum that up in three words. All right. Know, grow, and show. Okay, that, that, that's how I roll. <laughs> As you know, I really like catchy things that rhyme or alliterate. I mean, it makes it easy to remember. All right, no growing show. Okay, first, a leader's got to know, okay, has got to know the team, know the lay of the land. That is, I've got to know the people that work for me, you know, their strengths, their weaknesses. Uh, I need to know the task that's in front of me, you know, the things that need to get done. And whatever obstacles that confront me, you know, the things that keep me from doing that task. Uh, and secondly, I'd say the the aspiring leaders got to grow, right? I, myself, need to be in a continuous improvement mold, mode, always um, always looking to better myself, okay, and, and encouraging my team to do the same. You know, I'm always reminding myself that if I'm not innovating, I'm stagnating, okay? And and thirdly, a leader's got to show, right? That's know, grow, and show, all right? R- rather than Telling people what to do, and then sitting back, I've got to set the example like I talked about at the very beginning, you know show how it's done, you know being willing to take things on myself now uh, that doesn't mean that I don't delegate. <laughs> it just simply means I'm not ever going to ask anybody to do anything that I am not willing to do myself. you know you see, Jarvis, that's the difference between a boss and a leader, okay A boss only mandates what needs to be done. Whereas a true leader is going to go further and he's going to model what needs to be done. Okay, a boss says go, but a leader says let's go and then proceeds to show them how it's done. So a younger person aspiring to get in it, I would say, remember those three things, know, grow, and show.
1: All right, Dr. Joe, um, I didn't warn you, but I do pull small parts of these conversations out and i use them as clips when i you know spotlight your show uh right before they post and that was such an amazing uh, clip worthy just response i loved everything about it <laughs> uh, so no thank you very much no growing show and honestly as you said that I could see that that applies to that younger professional as they're trying to, you know, work into a leadership mindset and a leadership position for their future. But that applies to the most senior executive as well. So um, thank you just for connecting that on. everyone. Absolutely. Awesome. Um, let's dig yes, up out sir. of that question. And the next question that I have for you, Dr. Joe, is. Um, I would love if you can give our quality people a tip tool or tactic that you found works really well for building up those intimate connections on the project teams that you've led, um, but share with us what it is and how do you apply it
0: i'd say I'd say taking off on that no grow and show thing I was talking about before, okay um, you can't you can't be connected to somebody you can't be connected with somebody that you don't know, all right. And you can't maintain that connection unless you help them to grow, and you can't improve upon that connection until you're able to show them how to get through this project together. Uh, I, use that, uh, I use that with every uh, with every team that I lead. You know, uh, in 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 again figuring out figuring out where the strengths and weaknesses of each of the members of the team lies. Okay uh the they're uh, combining uh, combining the strength and a weakness so that they they complement each other uh knowing where to put the chess pieces i've got somebody who can code like mad but isn't all that great in front of people well i'm going to have him in the back making sure that the code gets written somebody else who doesn't know a whole lot about coding but can communicate with the, um, the 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 people from whom that we're trying to get functional requirements and technical requirements and so forth. Then of course he or she going to be up front uh, talking to our business partners and, and figuring out what's needed from them so we can get the project moving. Uh, again, it's like uh, it's just it's just like knowing where to put your chess pieces, right? Uh, in, in knowing how to uh, strategically deploy your resources in such a way that gets the project done. See, having dealt with people, projects uh, and uh, data, students, and all kinds of, who knows what uh, for more than 30 years, it has taught me to be flexible, okay, to expect the unexpected, to vary my approach, to constantly be looking for the most innovative and transformational, uh, step to take to get things done. And, uh, I don't think I can do it without following that same, uh, that same three-pronged pro- approach that I talked about earlier.
1: Perfect. I love that. And I love just the, um, you know, the continuation of that thought. So perfect, um, response, perfect thought process there, Dr. Joe. Um, next question that I have for you is I would love for you to now take us on one of the best aha moments that you've had as a professional. But again, you know, walk us through it. Um, share with us like how did the idea strike you and definitely if you were able to turn it into a personal or a professional success.
0: Mm, The best aha moment, hands down. When I asked my wife to marry me. (laughs) That that really is the (laughs) truth. Okay. That was definitely an aha moment, but 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 okay, that was before I came into the health and human services space. So you did ask me, as a healthcare professional, not as a person. Okay, so uh, yeah, and coming up in in uh, June June 16th of this year is our 36th wedding anniversary. So that oh, poor girl gross. has put up with me for three fourths of her life. Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah, indeed. No, seriously. Okay, that is a true statement. All right, but uh, as a healthcare professional, all right get on track here. Um, I would say, uh, I think that it was when I was instrumental in not so much an aha moment for me, but really I was instrumental in bringing that aha moment at DHHS, all right, And, and helping to tackle some obstacles that were related to visualizing data. Now you remember from my uh, keynote that that's that's the thing that I'm very, very passionate about, one of many things. The first obstacle that we overcame was this thing I call the silo mentality, you know, rather than each separate group keeping themselves, you know, it's getting people to realize that this has got to be a multi-pronged approach. And, you know, if you got a multi-pronged approach, it's going to require a multidisciplinary commitment. And if you do that, it's going to result in a multifaceted satisfaction, you know, right? Both among your stakeholders, your targeted audience, even if they don't see the immediate results. Now, the second obstacle, and this is one, especially in a state agency, that, that, that we're in the process of overcoming, and that is resources, okay? Whether you're talking about funding for our initiatives or Uh, there's a lack of targeted resources, or there isn't any relief for the existing resources that are getting tasked with yet another project on top of what they're already working. Uh, See, this is what happens in organizations when the leadership has not bought into the concept. But thankfully, the leadership at DHHS, (laughs) they have definitely bought into it. I mean, I'm talking about from the top down, okay? I mean, obstacles, you say? (laughs) I say opportunities. Problems? Now, I say possibilities. Adversity? No, I've said on many occasions, adversity is overcome by adaptation. You know, uh, and if you can't totally get rid of a problem, then find a workaround. That's the aha moment right there, finding the workaround. And that's what my team at the DHHS Client Services Data Warehouse does on a daily basis. And I'm proud to be a part of it.
1: All right, wonderful. And let me let me jump on that mindset just a little bit more, uh, Dr. Joe, because with the work that I'm leading in many hospitals, um, you know, the workarounds or kind of the band-aid fixes, that's, that's always one of the first things we jump on just to, um, you know, to put something in place long enough to get a solution, a bigger solution going. But um, can you speak to maybe what do you and your teams do to um, to now scale the solution, so you you know you do the workaround or you you know you find a quick fix. How do you guys come back and right. then the more strategic or the more larger, um, you know, more permanent, more sustainable solution to any particular project? Do you guys have a particular sure. approach for doing that?
0: Right. Well, I believe that when you go from tactical to strategic, is like going from the attainable to the sustainable. Okay, I'll explain what I mean by that. All right, the the workaround is the immediate, short term, the thing that gives you gains right now and keeps the monkeys off your back, keep the keeps the, the the wheels greased, the lights on, and the engine running. Okay, um, and and allows you to meet or possibly, hopefully, exceed the deadlines and meet or exceed expectations. Deadlines and expectations, those are two things that I always want to exceed. All right. Um, and uh, design even the shortcut with as much of the underlying principles of your long-term solution in place so that it does make it easier to scale when you can go back and, and do the real fix, you know, whether it's, uh, you know, again, uh, getting, going back to what I said earlier, adversity is overcome by adaptation, you know, when uh, uh, when, when you when you can't, get through the situation you gotta go around. And um, designing the workaround with knowing it's something that's attainable, you have to make it sustainable as well. You know, especially when you're when you're looking at both your long term gains or excuse me, your your short your 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 short term problems that you want to overcome and your long term goals that you want to keep in mind. Always keep those long-term goals in mind even when you're designing a shortcut don't just look at it as a band-aid i agree sometimes it is just a band-aid that's all it is you know it's just barely hanging on with duct tape bailing wire and and, and popsicle sticks you know uh columbus built the nina the pinta and the santa maria with uh duct tape bailing wire and popsicle sticks you won't find that in the history books you learn that here on the jar of the show you know all kidding aside uh you know a design solution to be not only obtainable, but sustainable. Not only to be tactical, but also to be strategic. Even if it is just a band-aid at the moment. Keep that long-term goal in mind. Keep those underlying principles in mind, even if it's just a shortcut.
1: All right, wonderful. No, that was again just the perfect um, the perfect way to wrap up that thought. So I appreciate you know, everything you share there, Dr. Joe. Um, Next question I have for you now is I'm, you know, geeking out to kind of see where you go with this, but would love to, Mm -hmm. um, you know, just get your thoughts. What are some of the current changes taking place across the healthcare industry that you're personally excited about? And what role do you see quality professionals and definitely um, data and IT professionals playing to promote or to support its longevity?
0: Hmm. Well be honest with you, Jarvis, I'm I'm seeing a greater emphasis being placed on data. Um, I, I'll tell you what I mean. Uh, if I remember correctly, there was a recent report in, in the CIO magazine. Healthcare data volumes are nearly doubling every two years. And, you know, with such huge <laughs> mountains of data that are accumulating at such an alarming rate, you know, there's no way on earth that the typical prior generation reporting means, I'm talking about you know, spreadsheets, tabular reports, and that kind of thing. No way those those methods can keep up. Again, a paradigm shift is needed, you know. The focus, I believe, used to be so heavily centered on data production, whereas now it's more on data consumption, you know, and, and uh, putting it in the context so that it can be made actionable. And uh, like you remember hearing me say in January at that you keynote, right? Data is not actionable. You knew I was going to say this, right? If data is not actionable unless it can help the key strategists to make a decision, answer a question, or solve a problem. So, you know, if these decision makers, right, if they have any inkling at all, the elephant in the room talking about the data, right, they can be convinced of the need to capitalize on what they do have. And that's going to result in a unified, uh, comprehensive strategy for for tapping into it and, and reporting on it in a visually compelling manner. Okay, uh, that's where the biggest payoff comes. You know, when you've made a connection with the decision makers, when you, when you have spoken to them where they're really at, where they, you know, the light bulb moment for them, the same one that I was talking about earlier, right? That is where the light bulb comes on and that's where the magic happens.
1: Well, and Dr. Joe, I, I love to dig a little bit deeper on your your statement about you know the difference between data um, production and data consumption because at least for me and the side of healthcare that I live in, um, there is such a huge gap still with um, healthcare professionals and their ability to to really dig in and make you know, translate that data from just data into valuable information that helps leaders make decisions, which then, you know, starts to walk down the path to wisdom from, you know, again, the world of healthcare that I live in. So um, this kind of connects into my next question. So the, the next official question is, how can the healthcare industry become more attractive? for talented, uh, quality and data professionals to start and grow their careers. But just to kind of tag into that same thought process that I started down, but what do we need to do as healthcare professionals to also kind of live up to the standard? Now, you know, do we buff up our skills around data analytics and visualization and so forth? Like how, how do we balance the two with the industry meeting our needs, but we meeting the demands of the industry?
0: Absolutely. Uh, there are so many tools available out there it's it's all about knowing how to use the tool and i'll i'll touch on that in, in in a few minutes i got another thought to share with you a little later um but um i think tapping into what does the data say okay uh how has it been arranged um what kind of aggregations are there what is the detail behind it what is the level of detail that we have available if we can if, if uh you know if we can tell uh the uh the, the number of patients okay well do we know how long uh it takes them to to complete their treatment in the hospital you know what's the readmission rate you know what percentage of people get readmitted into the hospital uh, within the next 30 days. Uh, You see a trend there and you want to dig deeper and say, well, what are the contributing factors towards that? You know, if it's going up, if it's going down, if you are um, in charge of a hospital system that has multiple facilities, in some of the facilities it's improving, in other facilities it's not improving, and you can't go by just the one number, or nor even the trend. What is the additional detail? What are the additional questions that that's going to generate, and and have somebody with the skill set on your staff that can poke into that and present it to you in in a way that you can that you can see it, you know, to 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 figure out what's the additional detail, you know, uh, uh, the number of um, nursing staff that you have, or of the number that you have, how many are on duty? What are the shifts like? Um, you know how? What is the caseload of um, uh, of the people that are that are already there? You know what is the patient load of the physicians and other medical professionals uh, on the care side, uh, on the specialist side, on the diagnostic side, on the uh, heck even even the the clerical side. You know in 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 doing the coding for the uh, uh, you know do you have competent competent people to code what the unintelligible chicken scratch of the doctor, you know, the thing that she writes or he writes on, on the pad uh, to, um, uh, you know, to, uh, uh, to be translated into data that you can use. So it, it's all about knowing the data. It's all about knowing how to dig into the data. It's all about understanding that you know, uh, data on the surface can be made to say just about anything. Okay, it's all according to how you dig into it and what level of detail are you able to provide, and what additional pieces of contributing information that can help you to determine what are the reasons behind a particular up or down trend, um, and what does it do over time, uh, and what other contributing factors can uh, can be taken into consideration uh, to be able to uh, to know how to reverse that trend. So you know. Uh, not only, yeah, you yourself, uh, the, the 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 editorial you, I mean, not perhaps you personally, Jarvis, but you know, um, uh, how can you yourself educate yourself about your own data and understand what's going on behind it? You don't necessarily have to be a data scientist; uh, just know in general principles, and then have people on your team, on your staff, uh, who can dig in and use the tools appropriately. Uh, to provide you with that level of detail that you need for decision-making.
1: All right. Perfect. And I I, I was thinking about it, Dr. John. I was like, man, that was such a big question. So you tackled it like a pro, man. I, um, (laughs) I I got super, (laughs) I was super ambitious with that one, but no, that, that is, you know, again, such a a adequate, and I think a well-balanced response because there is so much going on in healthcare now and God only knows, you know, what the industry is going to look like after so much of this COVID activity right now. So um, thank you. Yeah, thank you again for that. Um, Dr. Joe, I'm happy to share with you, man, that we are right there at the halfway point of the show. And so I'm going to move us into what I call the two minute drill, which is kind of like my version of a rapid fire Q&A, but uh, just want to check in really quickly, make sure you're ready before we get into it.
0: Oh yes, I am. I'm. Uh, I've already used my uh, asthma inhaler, and uh, you know, I'm. I'm, <laughs> I'm ready to go.
1: <laughs> All right, perfect. Well, uh, Doctor Joe, this first one is something of a two-parter, but I would love for you to first tell our quality people something about your current uh, current role that inspires you to do your best, and then also share with us how do you inspire others within your organization.
0: Mm, that's a good one. I suppose knowing that what I do. Affects the health and well being of the people who just happen to be the most needy in the state of North Carolina. I mean, of course, it's indirect. You know, I'm not the social worker visiting families in the home. I'm not the behavioral scientist that's designing an action plan to help a kid who's got ADHD or a healthcare field agent delivering meals to needy families. But Providing data, okay, and, and facilitating access to that data that, again, helps decision makers decide how those resources are deployed and, and how efficiently they're being utilized. Oh, well, man, you, you can't put a price tag on that. I mean, when the going gets tough, you know, we at DHHS, we, we often remind ourselves of that fact. That's what keeps us going and getting our best. And, and if anybody on my team forgets that, I remind them every chance I get.
1: All right. Wonderful. And Dr. Joe, what is the best piece of career advice that you've ever received?
0: Best career advice I've ever received. I would have to say um, an older gentleman who told me one time, keep stretching yourself so you won't get brittle. Okay, (laughs) yeah, that's that's helped me to get into that innovation mentality I was talking about earlier. You know, having having that mindset keeps you flexible and therefore less likely to break whenever the unexpected changes come.
1: All right. And if you don't mind me throwing this extra question at you, Dr. Joe, but kind of the other spinoff of this question is what's the best piece of career advice that you've ever given? Because again, you're such a wealth of knowledge. Um, you know, anything that you could start to, again, just sprinkle on our audience in terms of that knowledge and that value. I'd love to, to throw that extra one question at you. Too.
0: I would say to the supervisor, listen to your people keep your ears open and keep your mouth shut when they're telling you what their issue is, wait till they're done. And then you can talk, um, pay attention to your people. Um, you gotta know what's happening on your team. You've got to be aware of your surroundings. That goes back to that, you know, that, that no grow and show business we were talking about earlier, you know? Um, and, uh, to the, to the, to the up and comer, uh, you're good, but you're not the best. So keep plugging away until you become the best. Um, listen to the people who've been around the block a few times. You might have more skill, but you don't have more wisdom. You're still wet behind the ears. You bring a lot to the party. You're very valuable, uh, but um, you know, uh, keep keep it in perspective and listen to the folks who've been around the block a couple times um, and. I would say in general to the management in general from the top down, I say they, they ought to value their employees. You know, I mean, start looking at your people as assets to be invested in rather than a cost to be justified. You know, I mean, we can talk about increasing pay, getting better benefits improving the conditions of the place where you work and a host of other things. But at the end of the day, Consider that human factor, okay? Look, people will tend to enjoy their jobs more if they feel valued. And, and nothing says you are more important to this organization. Nothing says that more than having a manager who's going to listen to you, who's going to pay attention to your needs, your opinions, your ideas, your goals, y'all, okay? You know, okay? Uh, you know the, the other thing is empowerment. Uh, the people who work for me, they need to know that they have both the means and the ability to do their job. Um, touching a little bit on education, you know me, Jarvis, as an educator, IT professional, healthcare, but, you know, making sure folks have adequate training—that's a big deal to me. You know, the advice is let your people learn from you. Let your people learn uh, as much as they can while they can. Um, I remember a good quote from Henry Ford. Okay, he said the only thing worse than training your employees and having them leave is not training them and having them
1: stay. Perfect. No, I, um, I appreciate just again, all the extra thoughts there, man. This is, I might have to start paying people for access to this podcast (laughs) because you you were dropping some real, real knowledge. I appreciate that, Dr. Joe. Um, Absolutely. (laughs) Next question I have for you, sir. Uh, If you could trade jobs with anyone in your organization, with whom would it be and why?
0: (laughs) Oh man. Uh, you know, Jarvis, I'm, I'm actually pretty happy and satisfied right where I am, okay? But, 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 if I could swap with anybody, I'd say it'd have to be one of our Tableau developers. I mean, they, <laughs> they have a lot of fun, you know? They, they get to have their hands in using tools to put together really stunning visualization solutions. I mean, yeah, I'll be honest, I do get to play with that stuff from time to time, but it's not my primary job anymore. Now, As much as I love my job, oh boy, it'd still be pretty cool to have some time to, you know, create more of these graphs and data visualizations that would really knock your socks. I may be a little bit out of practice, but I still got it. (laughs) And it would be a great, great uh, situation if I could just tap into that a little bit more often than I get to these days, so.
1: That's where I'd go Very wonderful nope that uh, I think both of those answers work so it's it's hard to take you away from the job, but if you had to, you'd go back to kind of your your happy place you know working with the data and and creating more yep. um more value there so um perfect uh Dr. Joe, could you share with us a personal habit that contributes to your success when leading the in um improvement initiatives or the analytics initiatives that you lead
0: absolutely. Um, here's another one of these things, you know, I told you before, I like to keep things simple and I like things that rhyme. Okay. You know, uh, when leading a team, I make it a point to always go besides the no grow and show thing. Okay. <laughs> um, I say, earn their trust, do what you must, but be willing to adjust. <laughs> you do that. Everything's going <laughs> to fall in place. Yeah, I told you I like coming up with things that rhyme.
1: I love it. I love it. Um, man, you, I, I've really got to work on all of my sayings now. That's my major takeaway from this episode, Dr. Joe. That, that was beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you.
0: Um,
1: You're too kind. You're too kind. Next, uh, next question I have for you is, um, what is a go-to website or mobile application that you use for executing on the work that you lead? Um,
0: this is going to sound like a very obvious answer, but if I had to narrow it down to just one, I would have to say Google is my friend. You know, I mean, as long as you know how to type up your searches the right way, you know, because, I mean, you're going to get some kind of junk if you don't type it right. Uh, or if you type something that sounds like an innuendo or something, you know, you don't have your safe filter on, you might get something you don't want to look at. And, uh, but, uh, you know, Google is my friend. Okay. And, and from there, from there, I can get to whatever reference point that I need. You know, uh, Oracle SQL function cheat sheets. Um, Um, uh, SAS Visual Analytics tips and tricks, Tableau tips and tricks, Uh, Click tips and tricks, you know, insert whatever uh, business intelligence data analytics tool that you happen to be using so as not to give more screen time to one than the other, we just happen to use Tableau, that's why you heard me say it two or three times, but uh, business objects, report, expression, syntax, uh, and everything else, really all of that. Google is my friend and it's going to take me and let me, if I know how to type my search correctly, it's going to take me to these other, uh, sites where I can find what I need.
1: Perfect. And, um, I think we've had previous guests share very similar thoughts about Google, but, um, one of my past guests even called it Dr. Google, which stands. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, next question I have for you, Dr. Joe is, um, could you please share with our quality people, a professional society, and a professional conference that you think would be a value add?
0: Oh, boy. Well, professional societies. Um, well, in the state of North Carolina, and, you know, I guess since I have to speak to both uh, people in my state as well as nationally. So I don't want to cheat on answering this question, but I, I can't say one. It's going to have to be two. Because for people in the state, within the state of North Carolina, I have to say in Chica. Uh, sounds like uh, I don't know. it Sounds like some kind of chewing gum or something, but no, it's, it's an acronym. N C H I C A. It's just easy to say N C H I C A. That stands for the North Carolina Healthcare Information Communications Alliance. Wonderful group of people. Uh, it's they do wonders uh, for the state of North Carolina and, and and on a national level. Well, really, this next group, both on the national level and on um, on the state level, I'd say HIMS. H-I-M-M-S, HIMS. You know, that's mm-hmm. the Healthcare Information Management System Society. Um, as far as conferences are concerned, well, again, there's two sides to me. There's the data storytelling side of me, uh, and then there's the healthcare side of me. You know, on the data storytelling side, I mean, uh, hands down, na- on the national level, I would say nothing better than the SAS Global Forum. I mean, to me, <laughs> that's the holy grail of all technical conferences, in my opinion, for, for anybody that has anything to do with data. Um, uh, I know you said only one, but again, there's the healthcare side of it to, you know, appeal to the your uh, your audience, your clientele that says healthcare and stuff, and, and the industry I'm in now with the DHHS. Again, I'd say hands, hands down would have to be the HIMS conference, same as the, you know, HIMS organization. Now, the behind, I did not suggest these two because I've been invited to speak at both of them, but whether I get to speak there or not, uh, these are conferences, whether you're national or on your own state level, that you do not want to miss.
1: Perfect, nope, again, just dropping a lot of value. So thank you for, for all of those different um, resources there. Um, Dr. Joe, if you could recommend one book, or many books if you have a few others, but uh, if you could recommend a book yeah. to our quality people, what would it be and why?
0: Okay, From from a general business standpoint, I'd say uh, there's no price to put, uh, on this one. Um, Stephen Covey's The Seven Habits of Highly Effective. I mean, that is a great must. Um, uh, personally, for me, as a Christian, uh, there's no substitute for the Bible, in my opinion. I mean, the bestseller of all time. That's not according to me. That's Guinness Book of World Records says that. Uh, it's my rule of faith and practice, my source of strength. Um, Wisdom, encouragement, peace—it's unparalleled by any other written work. I don't always hit the mark. I definitely don't hit the mark, but I certainly try—at least try—to live by it every day of my life.
1: All right, amen to that. And um, Dr. Joe, we are right there at our last question, but I got to warn you: this is kind of the the cherry on top. So, um, okay, (laughs) (laughs) would love to now try to get you to. You know, kind of look forward to your future as you also reflect on your past. So let's say that you're able to send one text message to yourself 10 years into the past and one text message to yourself 10 years into the future. Uh, take a second and think about it, but what would you communicate in each one of those messages?
0: Oh boy, <laughs> you're good, Jarvis. Um, text message to myself 10 years in the past all right that's a no-brainer i'd say buy stock in netflix <laughs> no seriously <laughs> sorry all right no sir uh i would say i'm gonna be a little vulnerable with you here um tell dr bean to do a spinal tap now um 10 years ago that was about the time my wife was misdiagnosed as having migraines but in reality she had bacterial meningitis and we didn't find out until a few weeks after that initial di- misdiagnosis. We didn't find out until a few weeks later, with the aforementioned, you know, spinal tap that, that she finally did go. and it was revealed uh, that, that that's what she had. I mean, ha- had we known this initially, uh, she could have been treated so much sooner, and uh, it would have cut out several weeks of suffering uh, on, in the life of the lady that is absolutely the best. Besides saving my soul, uh, she's the best gift that God ever gave me, and I almost lost her. So, yeah, I would have said (laughs) that would have been a warning to get the doctor to do that spinal tap earlier. Now, uh, before I leave anybody on a cliffhanger without getting into a long, drawn-out story, because I know we don't have a lot of time left, but uh, she's okay now. Thank God she's recovered. All right. um, Text message to myself in the future. You're killing me, Jarvis. Um, you know, that's tougher, right? You don't know what's going to happen. Uh, but, you know, I would write. I, w- I would I would want to encourage myself because in 10 years, I'll be older, hopefully wiser, maybe more tired, you know, and maybe, I don't know. Uh, I would say stand strong in the faith, treasure the memories, and don't lose heart. That's what I'd
1: say. All right. Well, those are two wonderful messages. Um, thank you just for, you know, that, that moment of vulnerability and I'm thankful that, you know, your wife is in a much better place. Um, Dr. Joe, man, this, this has been an experience. Um, you know, I, I appreciate you so much again for saying yes to this invitation. Um, thank you for your leadership and your contributions again, just with the work that you're doing on a daily basis, but even the work that you're doing to, you know, communicate and to share messages with larger audiences through your conferences, all of the above. Uh, just want to let you know I appreciate you. And before I let you go, Dr. Joe, I would love for you to give our quality people that parting piece of advice um, and share with us how can we follow you or connect with you through social media. Um, please, again, you know, take an opportunity to highlight any upcoming events or anything else that we can do just to kind of stay in tune with you and the work that you're doing um and then we'll officially sign off
0: all right very good jarvis thank you so much you've been you've been so kind and gracious The the pleasure's been all mine sir uh let's see parting advice okay more than anything else um whatever you do okay whatever you do do it with passion okay enjoy what you're doing leave your mark all right Give 100% of yourself and maybe even 110 if you can do it. See, sometimes you might just get only one shot at it. When it comes to your life, you only do have one shot if you think about it that way. It's the only time that you have while you're on this earth. Now, in my line of work, whether I'm in my regular job at DHHS or as a conference speaker um, or as a teacher, whatever, when I'm communicating with folks, see, my goal, more than anything else, is to leverage more than 30 years of my educational IT and healthcare experience to communicate with this passion that I'm talking about, you know, igniting my audience's desire for excellence, whether it's excellence in their life uh, or excellence in data storytelling, you know, I'm always looking for a light bulb moment. Okay, I I wanna see the lights come on in their eyes. You know, I wanna get people not only to see the value of their data, but also to take ownership when somebody takes the time and the trouble to show them just how valuable they themselves are um, to the success of the organization in the healthcare space, uh, or in the IT space, or in the educational space, wherever you find yourself. Now, uh, that being said, Regardless of whatever specific tools that you might be using to achieve the, the strategic goals in your data storytelling, the important thing always is to focus on those best practices, those foundational principles. You know, it's the way that you get around those shortcuts and get to the long-term solution. It's the way that you can get from the tactical to the strategic, from the attainable to the sustainable, right? <laughs> you know, uh, regardless uh, focus on those principles. I'll give you a quick example. Right? If you've never learned how to parallel park, who cares if somebody buys you either a Lamborghini or a Chevy? Right? It's not going to make any difference. You know, The tool in your hand is meaningless if you don't have an understanding of the underlying skill set. That's required to use it correctly. Now, to put it all in summary, okay, make it exciting, okay, So let others catch the wave. See, I want to see to it that by the things that I say, the things that I do, the the, the mark that I leave, as it were, that people around me are encouraged, um, enhanced, enriched, educated, okay, whatever. And through it all, more than anything else, I honestly... Again, I don't always hit the mark, but I want to make sure that I give God the glory for it all because, you know, without his grace, none of this would be possible. Um, And as far as getting in touch with me on social media, uh, my Twitter handle is jwperezman. Uh, Facebook, I'm at facebook.com forward slash jwperezman. LinkedIn, I'm at linkedin.com forward slash in forward slash jwperez. Feel free to reach out and connect with me. Uh, if you're interested in booking me for a speaking engagement, uh, visit thechristiansonagency.com. That's Christianson, S-O-N, agency, all one word, no underscores or dashes, thechristiansonagency.com for more information. Um, as far as speaking engagements are concerned, oh, good heavens, I, you know, there's more than a dozen of them that I have coming up over the next uh, next few months, you know, uh, uh, I'll be, uh Uh, I'll be in Boston uh, uh, later this summer, assuming that uh, COVID-19 lets us do that. Uh, I'll be at the SHRIM Conference in October in uh, Connecticut, Uh, the Data Architecture Summit in Chicago in October, the Retail CIO Summit in London in November, Uh, Kim's later in November in Charlotte, Uh, Biotech Marketing Summit in, in San Diego, uh, next year i'll be in manchester u k and Madrid, Spain, a couple of other places that i haven't even gone to yet but as far as the next biggest thing that's coming up um, it's called the SETI conference that's the uh, Continuing Education Training Institute. Uh, it was going to be in Savannah, but it's online to visit SETI. That's C-E-T-I, not the Search for Extraterrestrial Intelligence. That's SETI with an S, okay? This is SETI with a C, okay? <laughs> C-E-T-I dot rocks, R-O-C-K-S, just how it sounds. SETI dot rocks. If you want to hear me um, give a presentation on actionable data, uh, that's uh, the week. Uh, that's going to be June 10th of, of this year is, uh, is when I'll be speaking. The conference is totally free. But you have to register. Um, and that's uh that's probably gonna be the best opportunity that that you would have to uh to hear me speak. But again, Jarvis, thank you so much. Folks, really, those of you who are listening out there, I really appreciate y'all tuning in. And Jarvis, thank you so very much uh for having me on your program, sir. This has been a, <laughs> a tremendous honor for me. I am just so totally blown away by your you know your kindness and gracious remarks about me and you know if i can live up to uh if i can live up to even a fourth of the nice things people say then i would consider myself to be very fortunate
1: indeed well dr joe again it's truly just you know kind of meant from my heart i um again just as you closed us out there I was kind of patting myself on the back because I was like, if I thought he was the perfect guest for this podcast, you just proved what I felt, um, you know, the first time I (laughs) encountered you. So um, Dr. Joe, thank you again for everything. And I just wish, you know, the continued um, success for all of your events and all the work that you're leading. Um, So thank you for that. And to our quality people everywhere, thank you all for listening and making us a part of your day. This is Jarvis and Dr. Joe. We're officially signing off.
0: Thank you for listening to the Healthcare Quality Cast, brought to you by the Quality Coaching Company. If you love the Healthcare Quality Cast, we'd love for you to subscribe, rate, and give a review. Until next time.